uh, and I am like premeditating ahead of time an act of like uh, deadly a violence nice against them. Having a nice time. We're recording. <laughs> Having, Having a nice, a nice time. time. Yes. <laughs> So <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm all. I'm gonna do is I'm gonna like uh, get their, you know, get their job taken from them and like sue them. No, that's fine. Uh, you you put those law skills to work, girl. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm 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 calling. I'm calling the solicitor in the morning, and it's gonna be a whole thing. So I uh, okay. I, I need to disclose to our listeners uh, as an apology ahead of time. I am on vacation with my girlfriend's family at an undisclosed location. Uh, mm. My girlfriend's sister has taken up the kitchen table. So I am recording outside in a resort community. Uh, and you also sound like you have the fucking hunter virus. Is I, the thing. I, Alice, I have been drinking nonstop for four days. Uh, oh, nice. I, uh, I feel great. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. wearing I'm wearing white sweatpants uh, Ooh, and a camel classy. hoodie. So let's hope I don't get my period. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, scene here. Uh, let's get started. Scene here is what Alice is gonna do uh, tomorrow morning to the city of London. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because I I am deranged with fury. Uh, you know what? You know, I just realized. Yes, Roz. Mm. This this is a this is a picture of the wrong fire. It's fine. Well, it it's, it's, it's a, a fire. It's state stuff combusting. <laughs> it's it's is, is it in London? Of course it is. Yeah, it so, is in London. This is the fire of eighteen sixty one, not the one we're covering today. Well, um, we're only off by um two hundred and five years. Everything before like eighteen seventy happened at the same time. Yeah, you know how like um, it's been 2016 for the last five years, yeah, and also yes, it's yeah. already 2030. It was it was a lot like that in that like uh, everything prior to the 1870s was just a day. You know, I took one look at that phantom time hypothesis, and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, to Gary me. Kasparov believes it. You know, yeah. <laughs> Does Kasparov believe that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't know if he's backed off of it now, but he was like one of the big like uh, adherents of the like uh, missing time theory. Yeah. So. Uh, welcome to Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast about engineering disasters with slides. Um, I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the person who is talking right now. My pronouns are he and him. Okay, go. I am Alice Caldwell Kelly. I am the person who is talking now. My pronouns, she and her. Hi, I'm Liam Anderson. Uh, my pronouns... <laughs> yeah, under protest. <laughs> Uh, the time zone difference is uh, kicking my ass a little bit. Uh, my pronouns are he and him. That and I've been Wait, drinking. Where, where are you? An undisclosed location. Oh man! I'll tell you where I. Matt, I'll tell, I'll tell Matt you where weather's I am. really nice this year. Yeah, huh? Beautiful, bright, sunny, uh, redacted. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Yo, uh, I'm in a place known for its beautiful weather. It's gray. It's overcast. Uh, I'm in a, uh, as far as I know, I'm in some sort of resort community. I wanted to be, uh, I, uh, the last couple of days have been a blur. Oh man. Fear and loathing in Red unannounced <laughs> location. Redacted. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So what you see in front of you are buildings. They're on <laughs> fire. This is the wrong fire. 
but it is in the right place. <laughs> One for two, man. <laughs> I was yeah. I was saying before we started, man, the slides for this are looking great. I'm really yeah. happy with how these came out. Mm. Already, already screwed this up. Today we're talking about the Great Fire of London of 1666, not 1861 as is depicted here. Um, it's what happens when you don't you don't read things before you put them on the slide. I don't mm. even know how to read, so honestly, yeah. Should I start drinking scotch now or later? Now. Uh, yeah, All I right. guess now. All right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, t- today we're going to talk about the Great Fire of London. Um, I also wanted to say, before, before we get into this, uh, you may have heard that the entire staff of Current Affairs magazine was fired by Nathan J. Robinson because he, he caught small business owner disease. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I, I I know these people. They aren't like Afghanistan refugees, but like you know, they have there. There is a solidarity fund you can contribute to. I'm going to put that in the description, right? Okay. Nice. Anyway, so and, and please do not judge all people who dress like ridiculous, fancy, uh, like 18th century dandies for Nathan J. Robinson. Uh, this is not a disease that is caused. It's a disease caused by like you owning a small business. Same thing happened to Sankwiga. It's like it's not something that's like inherent in the cravat. Yes, exactly. It's it's not the the clothes don't make the man. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's let's go on to the goddamn news. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Uh, as as its corrupt and despised leaders flee their offices with suitcases full of cash, the nation of Afghanistan faces an uncertain future. Um, and it's, it's true. we're having a bit of a a, a Suez moment, a bit of a Saigon moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everybody Yeah, I wanted to say real quick that you know, obviously. The United States invasion of Afghanistan, uh, given that the Taliban, as far as we know, and who knows that they would have kept up their end of the bargain, was willing to hand over uh, Osama bin Laden on September 12th, and this war never needed to happen. I just wanted to say that it is absolutely fucking disgraceful that the United States did not simply sit at Kabul airport with all the C-47s and say, come on board, we've got room. Uh, it's absolutely a fucking atrocity. We should be ashamed of ourselves as a country. Um, we should be ashamed of ourselves as human beings. You know, uh, my position was and is that you can hold the airport basically ad infinitum. Uh, what are they going to fucking do about it? And you simply load up the C-47s and you say, come on board. And if you're my dad, uh, and and his ingenious ways to uh, we, his his counter to people who are like, well, where are you gonna put them all? Was Guam for some reason? My dad was just put- like, Guam's nice. <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> like, not, vastly not, enrich the culture of Guam, not in a xenophobic way, but just like a oh, they're so worried about where we're gonna put them. That's what Guam's for. And then he went, <laughs> and then he said, and then he said, who said imperialism is bad? 
Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, no, this is this is just like classic classic empire stuff. Yeah. Of like do, doing doing a horrible idea, doing it badly, and then even as you end it, you fuck up doing that too. Right. Um. I mean, cut and run. Cut and run. Exactly. Yeah, and and now it's China's problem, which I wish them every success with it. Um, yeah, I uh, mm. I'm reminded of of uh, obviously how we fucked over the Kurds, but you remember that uh, I think that No Reservations episode where the the Kurdish man is saying to Anthony Bourdain like, "Oh, the United States are our friends, <laughs> and like we know we know that we can trust the United States." Like obviously, mm. as leftists, as anarchists, or as an anarchist myself, you two as communists, uh, you shouldn't have any faith in empire. But like, you should believe that it can like still it, hurt your feelings. It can still yeah. hurt your feelings, yes. right? Because you could absolutely have simply sat at Kabul airport with all the C forty sevens, and if the Taliban or whoever tries to take an advance on Kabul airport, uh, you simply uh, blot out the sky with daisy cutters. Mm. Well, I mean, the fun thing is, uh, Britain in particular, we're getting absolutely deranged about this. Oh, because I've seen this! Yes. Our, our national press is, is, is having fits about the idea of, like, why can't we do the, any of this unilaterally? Why are we dependent on the whims of uh, sleepy Joe Biden? And the answer is because, you know, we haven't been a world power in going on 70 years, but we've hyped ourselves up so much that we still absolutely believe that we are, and we've alienated every other possible ally, so uh, we're just in with you guys. We're not even a junior partner, we're just along for the ride, but we cannot accept that. And so we're just like, you have all of these Tory MPs who like, we're all like, uh, you know, guards officers in Afghanistan who are like, well, I think we should just go back in and reoccupy the place. And I'm like, no, sorry, that's not your decision. That's that's the decision of one senile man in Washington D.C. They they couldn't even do that at the height of the empire's power. No, <laughs> they they got their asses kicked in the 1840s. <laughs> also, yes, in the 1880s, I think. Mm -hmm. I can't. There yeah. have, there have been what three British invasions of Afghanistan. Yeah, what one really disastrous, two only mildly disastrous. <laughs> uh, and for more about Afghanistan, please listen to our sister show, Lions Led by Doggies. Yes, the Soviet Afghan, the Soviet Afghan uh, arc uh, taught mm. me a lot about, I guess, uh, uh, Afghanistan. But yeah, I just want to. Alice had a really good point about it can still hurt your feelings, and it can still be disgraceful that you mm. you don't do the best you can to to well, the thing that get got everyone me, on the planes. The thing that got me with the Biden administration and uh, that that activated a sort of like. Tory lobe of my brain that I didn't even know existed was the Biden administration briefing that, like, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, the the Afghan uh, national forces they lost the war because they didn't want it badly enough. Right. And they didn't have right. like the will to fight, <laughs> and I was just like, and not only is this disgraceful, it's like actively dishonorable. Yes. you would say this. Yes, yes. Uh, um, I had the same about, about about a country that had like. An order of magnitude more combat casualties it in took this 20 latest times more civil casualties war. than we did. Like, to yeah. say, and and also like, you know, when you, if you're my age, I'm 29 years old. Uh, you saw the first Afghani civil war. Uh, you mm -hmm. saw the Taliban make incredible advances. Uh, as a child, 
and then you've known nothing but conflict for 20 years. And now they're taking 60% of the country in a matter of weeks. You know, I, I, I don't know how much I'd like my chances if someone came into my village and said, yes, we know you're part of the Afghan National Army, but I've got your baby daughter here and a bayonet to her throat. Wouldn't you like hmm. to cooperate? Or even just the opposite of that, which is the, uh, you know, w- would you like to get paid for the first time in nine right. months? Yeah. And not have your commander steal all your money, and mm-hmm. or a warlord, or whomever. Yeah, we put the worst people in the country with, like, maybe one exception in power, and now the maybe one exception are in power instead, which is just fantastic. Yes. Um, <sighs> 20 years, 20, almost perfectly coming up to the yeah. anniversary of 9-11, and uh, yeah, no, it, it would have been more profitable uh, and more moral and more effective, not just for the United States, but for all the peoples of the world, if the response to 9-11 had been to do nothing. Yep. Alright, well, on well, that, uh... <laughs> In other news. <laughs> Meanwhile, as its corrupt and despised leaders flee their offices with suitcases full of cash, the nation of New York faces an uncertain future. <laughs> he has resigned. Andrew Cuomo uh, resigned. He I didn't think he was resigned. gonna. I didn't think he was gonna. I really didn't I think he was, he was gonna. Drop from the last episode where I, stupid, was like, yeah, he's not gonna fucking resign. Of course I, he did. Roz and I thought that he would say, sort of psych at the at the 11th hour and, and simply, and, I don't know, organize some sort of presidential coup. Fortify. Yeah, I thought he was going um, <laughs> to use Hurricane Henry as an excuse to stay in office really for a bit too. longer. I really did too. Uh, and, and declare some sort of... Out. Yeah. I mean, uh, he he managed to like abandon his dog on the way out, which was quite funny. Uh, Curtis Slew is now like in Albany trying to mount a rescue mission for Cuomo's dog captain. <laughs> this guy, uh, this guy is a this piece with, of work. With Ironwoods, but uh, in, in terms of, uh, I I I want to say again, I, I made the point when we when we recorded the Cuomo episode, but. You know, when these people, whether they be, like, on your team, ostensibly on your team, in quotes, you know what I mean, uh, you should be absolutely fucking furious when people do this. Like, not not just like a, 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 like, I know that it's hard to still get angry at shit like this when we know about Epstein and all that, but like, mm. no, you should still be pissed off. Like, you should still be pissed off. Andrew Cuomo should be beaten with, should have a nice time. <laughs> no, that's fine. You didn't say what he might, what he should have been beaten with. It could have been anything. Yeah, like exactly. a wiffle yeah. bat. Yeah. I just like, man, I, I, I am so fucking, you know, I'm tired myself. Obviously we're all exhausted all the time because everything sucks ass, but mm. you, you can still get pissed off when people fuck up like this. And he Especially managed to compromise are, like times up on the way out too, which mm-hmm. uh, another yeah. another great move. Yeah, I just I I hate these fucking people. Hear the voice and, one more time for old time's sake. Yeah, Roz. 
I just want to tell the people of New York, thank you for electing me to office. There's there's a, a, a great fucking article, uh, by great I mean it's a terrible article, by one of these women who was like, oh, I'm a quomosexual back in the day. Uh, it's like, are, are, all of, are me and all of my friends stupid? No, I don't think so. I think we were fooled by like the Svengali-like powers. Of Andrew Cuomo, uh, yes. seen here being the most seductive man in New York. It, it truly is a sad day for Italian Americans. <laughs> <laughs> this just goes to show representation within the institutions is never going to be profitable. It's yes. never going to get you what you want. Right. <laughs> the system, the system reifies itself. You don't solve yes. capitalism with no Italian capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, what's the Italian Malcolm X? <laughs> Ma Ma <laughs> Mario Sacco, X. Uh, Vanzetti and uh, what was the other one? Oh yeah. fuck! It actually might be Sacco and Vanzetti. Yeah, Sacco and Vanzetti, Roz. Yeah. Uh, we ain't gonna fight capitalism with the cap with Italian capitalism. <laughs> I can't wait to see Andrew Cuomo take on his years of lead phase. <laughs> What do you think his like post gubernatorial thing is gonna be though? Because like, oh, he's gonna write a memoir, dude. You already he's wrote gonna a memoir. Write a memoir. Mid he's gonna write another. He's gonna write another one. He's gonna write another one. He's gonna I, write I want nine hundred. I want this is perfect for my, the, the the like thing, the thing of the like Andrew news Cuomo. segment of this episode is I want a bookshelf that has two books on it. One is like uh, Cuomo's leadership lessons from COVID, and the other is Ashraf Ghani's How to Fix Failed States. These are the <laughs> only two books I am going to read. <laughs> All right. Uh I'm 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 calling it. That was the goddamn news. Hell yeah. So we have to start by asking a question. Mm -hmm. What is London? Uh, it's the only city in the United Kingdom. It's true. There's no others. You may have heard of Birmingham. That's in Alabama. Manchester. That's in New Hampshire. That's um, right. That's right. Newcastle. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's in Australia. <laughs> um, no, I genuinely cannot stress enough how much, like, if you haven't lived, if you haven't lived here, because I grew up in London, uh, London is the only place in the United Kingdom. Everywhere else is, uh, like, devoted to the service of London. Uh, it is, like, the only place that's allowed to be. It is, it is, it is, it is the United Kingdom's elder god. Yes, yes, all, absolutely. All other cities... Must must pay tribute. Yes, and, <laughs> and it's and it's shit. It's absolutely shit. It's a shithole. Uh, I've I've picked Liverpool, out Liverpool client state. Yes, literally. Yes. I, I I did I did a sort of like I did myself a brain injury here, picking out a little mood board of like <laughs> things I can think about when I think about London. Uh, and you, you know we have like some some pigeons shitting on some uh, like some Boris bikes. We've got Pound World. Uh, we've got a guy on a penny farthing in Shoreditch. Ugh, we hate have those the, guys. The, the the two guys who opened the cereal themed uh, cafe that what? like costs uh, three pounds fifty for a bowl of cereal. 
Um, we we have local newspaper advertisements, most notably Ghost Haunts Council Flat. Uh, previous episode, the <laughs> the Grenfell Tower fire, uh, some a parking dispute and a screenshot from Children of Men, and that was how I was able to like sum up <laughs> what London's deal is. And there's also there's a part of London called the City of London. Yes, which, which is, is different. Yes. It's not the city yeah. of London. The city of London is different from the city of London. Yes. Uh, the, the, yes. the city of London with a capital C is uh, like roughly a square mile of, uh, of like essentially enclosed um, mercantilist bullshit that like is also the financial center of London. Um, and it has its own like uh, its own sort of boundaries. It has its own police force. Um, it, it has certain like legal privileges, like uh, the Queen cannot enter the City of London without advance written permission. Um, and you know, admittedly, that's very tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the the whole deal is that it was like entirely a sort of like merchant enclave. Um, and it kind of like it became that over time. Uh, d during the time when we're we're doing we're talking about this episode, like normal people lived there. But at this point, like the city of London is like there's like maybe like two thousand people who actually live in it. Yeah, two 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 thousand people and shitloads of corporations. Oh yeah, because like, it's just a like, bunch. It's, it's tax advantage too. So you know, it's kind of like it's like Delaware. Mm -hmm. Um. It's it's a very inhospitable place to be, is the thing. It's very uh, like uh, sort of like brushed steel, uh, like plate glass. Uh, there's no street furniture or anything, and all of the like. There's no bins, most notably, because they welded all of them shut uh, during the IRA bombing campaign of the 1980s. Good lord. Hmm. So if I want to throw out my trash, I just do it on the gleaming sidewalk. Well, no, nobody has trash in the city, is the thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, if, you, if, you, if you look as if you have trash, that you are escorted out. <laughs> I have been given a mimosa. So oh, yeah. Finally, I can start drinking. Very mm. nice. Um, additionally, what, what is, is baking? <laughs> what is baking? <laughs> uh, baking, I mean, I'm not a food scientist, but I, I think the way to describe it for our purposes is that you, um, it's a way of burning down a city that sometimes incidentally produces bread. Yes. Mm -hmm. you, it's in um, here, one of the national foods of Philadelphia. That's right. Yes. You, 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 put, you put some yeast and some dough in an oven, and then the oven gets very hot, and then the thing rises, and it makes a, a bread or a cake that you can eat. But then also you have a very, very hot oven, and in particular, uh, like that oven used to be fueled with like coal or just wood. Yes. It's very dangerous. So now before we, we talk about the, the, the whole thing, we gotta we gotta do some historical context about oh, I hate when we do that. The English Civil War and the Restoration. Yeah, see, seen here, the image is the uh, the war banner of um, I think it's I think his name was Horatio Carey's Regiment <laughs> of Horse, um, which was entirely designed to like taunt opposing royalist commanders by calling them cucks. This is some big uh, return to tradition right here with these. Well, is this a dog in a barrel? Yeah, I think it's like making fun of a guy's coat of arms. 
Uh, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how. It's sort of like a, a vexillogical shitpost. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> the other side of it, by the way, says, Cuckolds we come. Oh, well, you do you, man. <laughs> Alice, you wrote this slide. Tell us about the English no, Civil War. No, no, I didn't. June wrote the slide. Uh, d- oh, wait. Well, in any case, the English June Civil wrote War. wrote the slide? Not June. I uh, fucked up. Anne Marie. Anne Marie wrote the slide. Oh, wow. Well, Sorry, okay. Anne Marie. Anne Marie <laughs> wrote the slide. Uh, yeah, no, I'll just extemporize about the English Civil War. Okay, so um, essentially, like, yeah, we never really had a, like, a, a revolution in the sort of like fun class sense in England, but we did behead one of our kings, uh, Charles I, for essentially trying to do too much, uh, like, um, too much kingly shit, trying to, like, uh, use his royal prerogatives to rule like a French king would, or like a Catholic would, uh, and those two things are going to be like very closely linked in the English imagination of like foreignness and Catholicism. Um, and so, like, out of a combination of sort of like desire to preserve the largely invented but like somewhat like popular rights of Parliament against the king. And also to you know preserve Protestantism and Puritanism, uh, Parliament raised an army and fought the king and won. And Charles I got beheaded at the banqueting hall in London. Um, it's, mm, I mean, this sort of resulted in a, a period of like purge and counter purge, uh, and also resulted in Oliver Cromwell making himself. Lo- <laughs> Making himself Lord Protector of England, abolishing the celebration of Christmas, and also uh, doing uh, some of the worst war crimes in England's history, which is saying something in Ireland. Uh, He he tried to like pass this this um, like Lord Protector thing onto his son. Didn't really work out, and uh, we got the Restoration, the Glorious Revolution. Where uh, Charles the Second, Charles the Son, got returned from his sort of like very fancy boy uh, upbringing in France, uh, and brought back a lot of fun French things, but hopefully no Catholicism. All right. Well, uh, you know that uh, uh, without the- hesitation, deviation, or repetition. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, I'm. Uh, it's from just a minute. It's like a BBC radio show where, like, the the guests have to like talk about a a thing about which they sort of vaguely know for a minute without hesitating or repeating themselves or going off topic. So uh, I, I, I was conveying that I was proud of myself that I had managed to like <laughs> do a sort of potted summary of the English Civil War. I see. So, so like one of the effects of this, right, is that London is a big stronghold of like. Uh... Uh, I guess you'd say republicanism, right? Mm. Yeah, you know they were they were big on uh, Oliver Cromwell. They didn't like the monarchy, right? The no. restoration happened uh, 1660, I think. Mm, or there yes, about that sounds right. 1658, 1660. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're 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 about six years past this in London, right? Uh, so the English Civil War is over. The Restoration has just happened. Um, they just had a plague outbreak, right? The immediately um, previous year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And London at this point was a big city. I want to say about 500,000 people, which for 1666, that's a lot of it's people. Massive, right? Gigantic, yeah. yeah. You know, they, they sort of grew over a long period of time relatively rapidly from being uh, sort of the, the consumer of last resort for the Hanseatic League, right? Uh, mm. Which you can learn about a little bit in our beer bonus episode. Um, yeah. and, and whose merchants uh, sort of guild precincts sort of like formalized mercantilist rule over the city of London. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, every, everything comes down to the Hanseatic League eventually. Yeah, they had giant, like, a sort of, like, essentially, like, German embassy compounds just occupying bits of London, like a spaceship. Mm-hmm. Um, it was run by uh, Mayor Sir Thomas Bloodworth, right, who was kind of, you know, bad guy colony. in a movie-ass name. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is the guy who's, like, his opening, his opening sequence is him, like, very long, dark coat, <laughs> whistling to himself. An orphan begs him for change, and he just like stomps him back into the gutter, mm. and, like adjusts his his coat frock and just like kicks a puppy. I should also so, yeah, point he's, out he's, that he's like trying sorry, to get the formula for the everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I should point out that like uh, England is more or less in a. Um, sort of a cold war at this point. Like, we're still deep in the morass of the European wars of religion, uh, which yeah. is to say that there's this absolute paranoia that Catholic Europe, uh, Spain in particular, France in particular, uh, are, are just going to come over, invade, and make everybody be Catholic, the worst thing you can be. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's and they're it. trying to get the <laughs> recipe for the everlasting God. Exactly. Exactly. Unbeknownst, unbeknownst to them, Willy Wonka is a commander in the IRA. Now, <laughs> if you'll follow my diagram, <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't let Willy Wonka <laughs> on TV because Thatcher banned him. Yes. Uh, also, <laughs> also, we actually were at war with the Dutch at this point, but it was yes. kind of like one of those on again, off again trade wars. Where, like occasion, yeah, like <laughs> like I I think they had like you know it's one of those things where you, they they every once in a while they sail up the Thames and set fire to a bunch of stuff. Sure. But for the for the most part, it's like some light piracy. Yeah, yeah, flirting just, by uh, burning down Rotterdam. <laughs> <laughs> they're just uh, you know every every once in a while you gotta you gotta let these Dutchmen know their place. You know, <laughs> ain't that the damn truth, Ross? <laughs> So, all right, there, there's lots of paranoia over this, you know, sort of vague, vague um, Cold War-ish sort of situation in London. Uh, now, London is a big city, and it's made mostly of wood. Mm. And waddle Uh-oh. and dub. That seems foreboding. <laughs> yes. One of, the, one of the most common types of buildings was a sort of tenement, right? Oh. And these were, all, these were all built with a technique called jettying, right? You can see here, uh, each successive floor cantilevers out farther than the floor below it. Oh um, yeah, it looks real dangerous. Oh yeah, and, and one of the weird things is this actually made the buildings easier to build. It also gave you a little bit more floor space. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly it made the building a little bit more stable, um, just because of how the woodwork is done, right? It makes the streets very narrow at the top, though. Kind of blocks oh, yeah. out the sunlight. You get these long, yeah. sort of winding lanes. It used to be a sort of a measurement of these things that, like, if you you could actually like reach into the house across the street from the top floor. 
Yes. And, um, and the ones we see on the screen here are only three stories tall. Some of the ones in London's, uh, some of the ones in London would go up, you know, six or seven stories, right? Mm. Uh, you know, so essentially touching each other at the top. Right. You know, it's, it's some, it's some, it's some like Harry Potter Diagon Jenga Alley shit. Ass. Yeah, yeah. Jenga ass city. Yeah. It's all uh, extremely janky. And in addition to this, London had a whole lot of warehouses, right? Mm. Yes. A warehouse. A warehouse is a place where you store stuff, right? Uh, yes. We don't really do those anymore because we have just-in-time logistics, which works really well. Um, but also, particularly for for London, like you have to put the warehouses by the river because all of the stuff comes in and goes out by the river. And yeah. ideally, you want to move this shit as little as possible, like. If possible, you want to like move it off the ship and put it in the warehouse with the same crane. Um, this is uh, like I think it's the Pool of London, uh, but this is eighteenth um, century, and you can tell that it's eighteenth century. Sorry, the what of London? The Pool of London. Pool. It's like a sort of oh, okay. like yeah, it's like a sort of like lagoon, I guess. Um, it's where everyone can go for a swim. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but like once. the reason you can tell this is an 18th yeah, once. <laughs> <laughs> The reason you can tell this is an 18th century painting is because the warehouses are made out of brick. Uh you you couldn't really build like a large structure out of brick in uh, in the 17th century, uh, certainly not in the 1760s. Uh what you would build it of was like maybe stone if you're lucky, but like probably just wood. Wood. Uh, yes. Um and there's there's like the stuff that's getting moved in and out. That you've got like grain, which is tremendously dangerous, that loves to explode. Uh, Gunpowder, which is tremendously dangerous because it loves to explode. Yes. Uh, like textiles, cotton, linen, um, and like any number of things that burn really, really well. Just heat. I was going to say together. anything associated yeah. with like like uh, for leather tanning. Yeah. Are they using like? Like you know, we know now obviously that like uh, in in uh, haberdashery, mercury makes you go mad. But are they are, are we at the point where they discovered these processes and are using these like elements, chemicals? I don't think so. I, I think just this don't know is, off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay, I just didn't know off the top of my head. Yeah, but uh, in any case, it's like there's basically no sort of attention paid like, to I don't, safety I don't, here. I don't, I don't love the way mercury fire rolls off my tongue. <laughs> I, uh, there's just a huge there, a ship rolls in, and you know the stevedores are hauling out big sacks that say "Ye oldie amfo." <laughs> <laughs> ye oldie IRA, led by ye oldie Commandant Willy Wonka. Yeah, <laughs> it's revenge for Dragita. Uh, yeah, so no, this is like. Obviously, a huge, huge safety issue, but like, it's also the the more or less the driver of the whole city's economy and keeping everybody fed. And like, this is at a point where you know food riots are no joke, right? So you don't want to mess around with this stuff too much. Um, right. Ideally, you want to leave this to sort of generate money on its own and hope that nothing too too catastrophic happens. Yeah, and then another another aspect of it is with the gunpowder. Um, you know, since the English Civil War it just happened, people are still, you know, storing black powder in their houses. Yeah, just in case. Just in case, yeah. It's called being a minute man. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's called right. the Second uh, Amendment, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knoweth my rights. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know Willy Wonka just up the lane. He'll, he'll hook you up. Seventeenth <laughs> century uh, liberal being like the guys who drafted the the like Magna Carta never imagined that you could have Pike and Shot at the same time. <laughs> Listen, Watt Tyler would have been a lot more efficient if he had if he had guns. <laughs> we're, we're 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 gonna we're gonna do piecemeal. Um, Gun regulations by banning bayonets. Yeah, you do uh, like yeah, a California California thing. You have to put musket, like a special like can't be longer than five and yeah. a half feet. <laughs> this is actually an assault pike if you have it this long. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay a tax stamp. <laughs> Any man who can load more than more than five rounds a minute is a menace to society. <laughs> All right. And it, See it, here, William Penn, hero of Pennsylvania, mm, putting out a fire. Early modern firefighting. Uh, seen here. This is a Keeling engine. Um, so we're basically in in sort of in ANCAP territory here, right? Because there's there's no, there's not a professional firefighter. That's an invention of the 19th century. It's either a sort of an Amateur civic responsibility, uh, like a militia, where like, in order to show that you're sort of like a, a prominent man of standing in your community, you join this sort of like amateur firefighting organization, and you like put out fires when you need to, or it's a sort of a private operation run by an insurance company, um, and I, I mean private fire brigades are great. I love a private fire brigade. Um, ever since, like <laughs> at a minimum, ancient Rome, uh, like Crassus, you may you may have heard of as one of the, the conspirators to assassinate Julius Caesar, the richest one, the money guy. Uh, he got rich by uh, owning private fire brigades. And the thing with the private fire brigade is that you only fight fires in the buildings that you insure. You typically have like a little plaque up on the outside that says, you know, this house is insured by uh, you know, such and such a company, therefore please put it out when it's on fire. Um but that's a great way of generating new revenue and new customers because you show up to someone whose house is on fire and you're like, oh, would you like a policy? <laughs> or, alternatively, if you want to buy their house very cheaply, you can be like, oh, would, would you would you like us to give you, uh, you know, five pounds for this house, or would you like to own a heap of rubble? Um, and like it, it in a large city, and London is at this point a very large city, you would have multiple competing brigades. Uh, it wouldn't be like a, a sort of a municipal department. It would be like whatever like organization individuals could put together. Yeah, and 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 so you know these these uh there there are like early modern fire engines they have by this point. You know they're very primitive. You can see here they're um they're they're they have to manually pump the doohickey. Yeah, it's um, like two pairs of bellows, one yeah. at each end. Yeah, some of them don't even have wheels at this point. You just drag it on a sled. You just carry it, carry yeah. it. Oh, Jesus! Now, yeah. Interestingly enough, London had uh, rudimentary uh, municipal plumbing at this point. They had a water supply system uh, hmm. made of uh, wooden pipes under the street. Um, Jesus! Yeah, they were um, they were fed by a water tower. Uh, water was pumped up to that water tower by water wheels underneath the uh, underneath London Bridge. Hmm. Um, 
which, you know, those are made of wood. And of course, they're next to all the flammable warehouses. And uh, London Bridge, of course, has a bunch of flammable buildings on it. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. There is no possible <laughs> flaw with this plan. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, if a fire got big, these fire engines weren't very good at solving the, the fire issue, right? So mm. then you have to move on to your secondary firefighting tactic, uh, which is fire breaks, right? Yeah, same way we fight like uh, wild wildland fires, fires now. Fires, yeah, yep. yeah just exactly. You tear shit down that's in the way of it. Exactly. You just you just remove the buildings, and then there's less fuel available for the fire. Uh, this is annoying because you have to like tear down whole buildings with like people stuffing them very quickly. Yeah, and like with uh, hand tools as well. Yes. Like generally speaking, your experience of like uh, firefighting is. A couple of dozen very large men show up and like essentially tear your house apart with pickaxes. Yes. So anyway, knowing knowing all of this, knowing, knowing everything from this. the restoration <laughs> to baking to early modern fire engines, armed with this knowledge, armed we can now knowledge. talk about September second, sixteen sixty six. Yes. So a man named Thomas Fariner had a bakery on Pudding Lane. Right? Nominative determinism. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, shortly after midnight, uh, it caught fire because he didn't quench his ovens properly. No. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he claimed that, like, both he and one of his daughters, like, checked to make sure there were no embers and, like, he raked over the coals to make sure that mm -hmm. the, uh, sure like, sure the ovens weren't, weren't smoking. Uh, I, I submit given that we can't libel a guy who's been dead for 400 years, that this is uh, what we might call a lie. <laughs> <laughs> to wake up in yeah, the middle no, of the night. He's tired. Yeah, he's tired, you know. Long day of baking the tasty cakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's got, you know, there's some sort of evil uh, megalomaniacal corporation moving in on Pudding Lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's gonna yeah. stay up all night worrying about Catholics. Uh, he he and his uh, he and his family managed to escape the uh, fire by climbing out of a window. Yeah, uh, their maid wouldn't leave the building though. She didn't want to fall out the window. As a result, she died in the fire. Oops, lady, fall okay. out of the no, window. Yeah. Fall out of the window. It's better than the alternative. Yeah, I mean, even even knowing seventeenth century treatment for like a broken leg or something, I I still you just jump out the window. Yeah. Um. So the, the the neighbors woke up and they were like they they came out to help try and uh, douse the flames too, but you know they didn't quite didn't quite put it out right. Um, and about an hour later, uh, you know the firefighters showed up, the sort of private fire brigade. And they they determined that all right, we're we're probably going to need to do a fire break to contain <laughs> this properly. Um, and the neighbors From that like, time to this, firefighters <laughs> have loved doing this shit. Yeah, have you ever that, seen a firefighter when they work out that they're allowed to like break in a window or a door? Oh, they shit. love that, that shit. Really or use exciting. the jaws yeah. of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh shit, I get to break stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Guy not even looking. Yeah, I think we're gonna need a fire break for this. Yeah. <laughs> and, the one and that the, really gets me. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. So the neighbors the neighbors uh protested this decision. They're like, I hey, don't don't tear down my house. Put, it's Fuck your off, job to put out, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to lose their homes and businesses, so they have to call the mayor to issue the order to uh, tear down the houses, right? Um, now, by the time Mayor Bloodworth arrived, the adjacent houses were also on fire, and an even larger fire was uh, fire break was necessary, right? 
firefighters are just like, yeah, you called it. Yeah, you <laughs> stall for time, baby. <laughs> like rubbing his hands together. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> and 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 uh, Mayor Bloodworth, you know, was like unwilling to, uh, you know, start condemning houses and, uh, you know, start yeah, those of, are votes. Yeah, those are votes. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the, that's the property of his cronies as well. Mm. Uh, and he told the firefighters, nah, nah, just put put the fire out, put the fire out. He he said, uh, he said, he he said a woman could piss it out and left. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, bye. Well, what he doesn't yeah. know what he doesn't know won't hurt him. Fire breaks. Fire yeah. breaks everywhere. So that that's such a like great move to be to the firefighters. It's like, yeah, have you tried putting it out? Idiot. <laughs> if you try, yeah. <laughs> put, put As we the, know, put the wet stuff on the red stuff. Put the wet stuff on As the red we know. stuff. As we know from the uh, the Texas oil explosion, uh, many firefighters had to stand in the line, proudly jerking themselves and their buddies <laughs> off. Yeah. A, a, a heroic right. elephant, a heroic elephant walk <laughs> As, in the face of grave danger. As the mayor of London said, a woman could come us out. Yes. So one of our biggest primary sources here is the uh, diary of Samuel Pepys, who was a uh, member of parliament and I think later chief secretary of the admiralty. Oh, yeah, um, he wrote like volumes and volumes of diaries, of which he documented everything. And my favorite line from any of Pepys' diaries uh, is about his, his neighbor's toilet leaking. And so he records in his diary that he stepped out into the street and doing this sort of like, um, like, um, restoration thing of capitalizing every word step directly into an a and great heap of turds <laughs> yes <laughs> so uh sunday morning you know this fire has been burning all night he ascended the tower of london to view the conflict conflagration right and he saw that uh, by this time about 300 buildings were burning including some on london bridge yeah which um, as you see here just has buildings uh -oh. built on the top of it it's like a street yes and and he was like, uh oh, not good. Uh he went he went to go carry word to King Charles II at Whitehall, right? And this starts to sort of back and forth, right? Um, because Charles II doesn't want to interfere in the affairs of London. You know, it's sort of like it's supposed to be like a good faith gesture, you know, to regain the trust of Londoners, right? But but on the other hand, the the Lord Mayor is clearly not doing his job. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the you might say they're having a bad time. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, when Charles II learns about the fire, he tells Peeps to go back and tell the Lord Mayor to start doing some goddamn fire breaks, right? Um <laughs> you know, and Peeps goes back, he finds, you know, Lord uh Bloodworth is not doing so great trying to 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 command the fire breaking effort, right? He's uh, having an anxiety attack. He's quite <laughs> literally having an anxiety attack. Yeah. He's, he's like like a fainting woman, I believe he was described as. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and he was saying that, you know, the fire breaks that he ordered, the fire was overtaking the houses before the breaks could be uh, completed, right? Um, and eventually... Uh, eventually Charles II came down to inspect the scene himself because, you know, if you want a job done right, I guess you got to do it yourself. Mm. Um, and uh, he saw, of course, that, you know, the firebreaks weren't really being done at all um, and just completely overrode the Lord Mayor to get them done properly. 
Uh, and but I, but by this time, you know, the fire is very bad. I mean, it's sort of a raging inferno. It's creating its own weather and updraft, feeding the fire through, you know, sort of natural convection currents, right? Um, mm. You can see this diagram up here shows the city of London, including the original Roman walls and sort of the pink area mm -hmm. is the burned area at this time. Which is the Tower of London on the right there. Yes. Gotcha. I think that's actually St. Paul's is the cross thing, too. Yes. So, on day two of the fire, um, they, didn't, they didn't put the fire out. They haven't really contained it by this uh, point, right? Oh, good. Yeah. So, day two, of course, uh, Mayor Bloodworth's ineptitude forced Londoners to come to terms with the fact that, you know, this fire is completely out of control. No one can do anything about it. It was time to get your stuff and get out, right? Um, so this was really good news for anyone with a boat or a cart or who was able-bodied, right? Yeah, it's uh, called entrepreneurship. Yes, good time, yeah. good time to start doing this, this fun thing called price gouging, right? <laughs> we call it search your, pricing now. Yeah, we do, it's, we do call it's it. Actually, it's actually, pull yourself up by your boat straps. Ah, very good. Ye oldy Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Due to increased demand, fares will be higher. Yes. So, uh, you know, hiring a cart was heard to go for as much as 40 pounds, which is about, I think, $4,000 today. Maybe, maybe more than that. Um, mm. Now, back in the day, of course, people owned less stuff. Inflation um, calculator UK. <laughs> and see if it goes back to 1666. <laughs> I bet you it won't, because they regulated the currency in, like... Uh, yeah, this is only going to go back to like, huh? No, it actually does. Okay, sixteen sixty-six, forty pounds. Uh, what 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 does that get me now? Nine thousand five hundred ninety-nine pounds and twenty-six pounds. Uh, so yeah, would you, would you like to buy a new car, uh, <laughs> or would you like to like receive passage out of the inferno? Yes. Um. I can give now, you that an Xbox and if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, I mean, you know, people owned less stuff. That stuff was more valuable, though. So people were hauling out, you know, their valuables, their clothes, their furniture, their books, documents, everything. They either mm. dumped it in carts or they brought it to the uh, water and put it on lighters, right? Which is, you know, sort of boat, right? Um, or one other idea a lot of people had. Put it in a building they didn't think was going to burn down, hmm. which in practice meant a stone church, right? Yeah, it's protected by being stone and well, by being a church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, God's not going to let the, the church burn down, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Um, the <laughs> we'll issue here was the fire was really big. Um, as a result, you know, it was very intense. It shattered windows, burning embers flying through the air would go through the, go through the w broken window and they'd set all these churches on fire, which are of course also full of kindling in the form of everyone's valuables. Uh, Ooh. so all these churches burned down very quickly. Um, oh, well, <laughs> um, now people who were, you know, trying to go in and price gouge with their horses and carts, uh, they're all trying to get in towards the fire, right? So they can take people's stuff, right? Mm. This is Meanwhile, also true of stealing. Yeah, also also <laughs> stealing, looting, everything. Yeah. 
meanwhile, people are trying to evacuate away from the fire, right? Now, this is, comp- this, this is an issue because of the existence of the city walls, right? So there were, you know, a couple gates. Um, I forget what they are called offhand. Old gate, more gates, uh, struggling with the rest of them. The walls at this point have been like built over and like uh, scavenged with stone and stuff, but because they're an easy access control point for like tolls and taxes and stuff, the gates are mostly still there. Right, yeah, and 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 so there's there's a huge mass of people trying to squeeze through both ways through all of these gates, right? It's just pandemonium and mayhem, um, you know, and a complete breakdown of order. Um, and the officials at the gates actually decided at one point, you know, okay, we we need to get these people instead of panicking and trying to run away, we need to get them to fight the fire. So they had the the bright idea of what if we just close the gates. And then the people will be more motivated to fight the fire instead of run away. <laughs> Welcome it's, to it's, the voluntold fire. It's, uh, it's called force. it's called nudge theory. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, it's called impressment, and it's bad. <laughs> Six of uh, one, half a dozen of the other. Anyway, this idea did not work. They were forced to reopen the gates pretty quickly. Um. <laughs> um now, so to the west of the fire was this uh, building called Baynard's Castle, right? Um, and this is sort of like the Western equivalent of the Tower of London. You can see the picture here, right? Um, so a lot of people thought as this fire was burning, you know, once, once it reaches uh, Baynard's Castle, right, with its big thick stone walls, it's going to burn out. It can't possibly get past this gigantic building with the huge stone walls, right? Um, well, it, it it was sort of like a medieval palace, I guess is what this was, not really like a castle castle. Yeah. Um, but um, so this is where the fire was going to start stop. Um, and uh, well, what actually happened is it burned down immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the fire managed to leap over the old city walls. Yeah, I mean, you can still see the ruins of uh, of, of the, the walls of the City of London and places, and, like, they actually haven't changed that much, because once something's mostly collapsed, it kind of stays that way. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's basically mm-hmm. just like a small ditch at this point, with like a big mm. stone hump in the middle of it. Okay, so we've, we've immediately blown through, uh, like, our two line, first lines of defense here, of uh, churches Auto and yeah. Castle. <laughs> Yes. Well, so one one thing that everyone thought would be the safest place was St. Paul's Cathedral, right? Hmm. St. Paul's St. St. Paul's was in a large plaza. It didn't have buildings abutting it like everything else. Um and uh that was supposed to act as like a natural firebreak, right? So Lots of people started piling all their crap in the cathedral, much like the uh, smaller churches. Um, but, uh, you know, because St. Paul's was so far away from everything, it sort of lasted a little bit longer. Um, and among the things they piled into St. Paul's Cathedral were the entire stock of goods from the booksellers and print shops on the adjoining um, Paternoster Row, right? So the the cathedral's just full of paper. Good. <laughs> you know, and, and 
one issue though with St. Paul's was uh Sir Christopher Wren. Yeah, an that's usually the issue with St. Paul's. Had been commissioned to do a renovation on the cathedral. As such, the whole building was covered in wooden sca- wooden scaffolding. Right? Yes. Yes. Oh. So um yeah, the, the, the scaffolding caught fire again very well, quickly. Well. And then the cathedral caught fire from all the paper in it. And the whole thing burnt. Once it caught fire, it burned down very, very quickly. Uh, I, think the, I think the tin roof actually melted. Um, I, th- I guess a good lesson here is, even if it's economically or sentimentally important, if stuff is on fire, you should probably shouldn't try and save your stuff. Like yeah. any any of your stuff, it's like no, it's just, that's it's kind of why go, folks, why yeah. in fire drills they tell you not to like stop to take any of your shit. You should just leave. Right. You should just leave. be yeah, leave town. Yeah, leave town. Don't look back. Just just keep walking. Steal a horse and cart. Do not be Lot's <laughs> wife. Do not just, be Lot's wife. Just, just walk out. If you're fast enough. <laughs> So I mean, a lot of people who were trying to escape the fire, they would uh, they they would leave their house and they'd go like down the street to a what, what they thought was a safe house, and then a couple a couple hours later they'd have to move again, and then a couple of hours later they'd have to move again, right? You know, this was um you know a lot, a lot of people thought they could get away from the fire a lot easier than they actually could. Um, mm. So. Meanwhile, to the west of everything, uh, the Duke of York was uh, commanding uh, a bunch of uh, firefighters to make a fire break at the River Fleet, right? That, that's here. Yeah, that's one of the little guy. tributaries into the Thames. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, today it's uh, Farringdon Road, uh, since mm-hmm. they sewerized it from uh, 1737 to 1769. A lot of yeah, people one think- of, like three to five underground rivers in central London off the yes. top of my head. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people think uh, the River Fleet is under Fleet Street. It's not. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fleet Street is actually named for the Anima brand. Ah, uh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the thinking was that with uh, a little bit of effort, the River Fleet and, you know, the walls and everything, this is going to be a fire break basically all on its own, right? Hmm. Um, that thinking was wrong. Uh, oh. Yeah. So driven Whoa. by driven by a strong gale, the fire just leapt right over the river fleet and started burning the suburbs outside the city walls. Uh, and, and of course, this fire is throwing up all these hot burning embers so that there's like fire starting randomly everywhere, right? People are panicking because they think, you know, this is, since the fires are starting randomly, they think, you know, some Dutchmen have come to burn down the city or some, or Catholics, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's got to be an act of war. There's lots, lots and lots of trutherism going on already. <laughs> mm. Well, bear in mind that, like, uh, sailing up the Thames and burning down London is, like, the classic move if you want to, like, fuck with uh, the, the English. Do it, yeah. This yeah. is true, the, du- yes. the Dutchman loves to do it, but also, like, even way back, the Norse love to do it. It's an easy, easy thing to do. The Thames is not a very defensible river. Uh, 
Yeah, you, you think at some point they would learn to put the city up with uh, fireproof materials, but uh, <laughs> today is not that day. Today is not that day. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then the winds eventually shifted east. Right, the fire started creeping towards the Tower of London. Right, uh, and it's very large gunpowder stores. Oh, good. So the garrison located there. You know, they had they had no permission to uh, do any fire breaks, but they decided just to do it anyway. Um, and so, you know, they managed to save the Tower of London just by going out and blowing stuff up. So, you know, good on them. Yeah, and now, uh, now London still has one cool Norman-built castle. Yes, Ooh. exactly one. <laughs> <laughs> now, that evening, the winds finally died down, so the fire wasn't being fueled quite as much, right? Um, which leads us to uh, day four. You, you, you can see a before and after image here. Um, mm. Oh, dear. Yes. Uh, all, all the wooden buildings burned down, and most all of the stone All I see are real estate opportunities. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. also at this point, the trutherism really kicks in. Oh yeah, uh, because like obviously this has to have been a, a a foreign French, Dutch, Spanish, Catholic plot. Yes, um, and and so like it, it, people just start getting lynched is the thing. Uh, being being out on the streets and like even being perceived to be foreign as a death sentence. Uh, there's one story about a French guy who's carrying tennis balls, of all things, uh, and those are taken to be like incendiary grenades, and he is killed. Did they have um, tennis back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, it's, it's referenced in Shakespeare. Uh, oh. Mock castles down from Henry V. Uh, yeah, no, so, uh, like, even even the sort of, like, the troops who are brought in to restore order get more into this. Um, most notably the still extant regiment, the Coldstream Guards, uh, they're brought in to sort of restore order, and more more than half of them just like immediately desert to start both looting and also just like killing people. Um, and you also get a very very dangerous, very precarious situation for the monarchy, which is people start blaming the king, which is a great thing to do uh, when something goes wrong. But they start blaming him for a starting the fire and b being a secret Catholic. Um, yeah, this is. I mean, bear in mind the last time anybody accused uh, an English king of being a secret Catholic, it was this guy's dad, and it ended with him being beheaded. So this is not something that you want to fuck around with if you're Charles II. About to say, better go do something like I don't know, go start a war with Afghanistan. Kiss some babies. Or kiss some babies. <laughs> well, he'd already tried the war starting thing because he had already, like, more or less started the Second Anglo-Dutch War as a way of demonstrating that he was sufficiently Protestant. Uh, and yet, still, the, the 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 assembled hogs, the scum, are like, no, you're still you're still too Catholic. You like yeah. too many nice things, and you grew up in France, so maybe you're Catholic. Um, so. Obviously, what you need in a situation like this is you need a convenient scapegoat. Yes. Uh, and you're able to find a convenient scapegoat fairly easily. Uh, in this case, it was a, a French watchmaker called uh, Robert Hubert, or Robert Hubert, if you'd rather. Um, <laughs> he, he had arrived in London like two days after the fire, but um, 
you know, since when did that matter? He was arrested on the basis of being too French and immediately confessed to every possible combination of things, uh, like multiple contradictory accounts that to me carry the heavy implication of like, please stop turning thumbscrews on me. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think what he ended up finally like confessing, confessing to was that he threw like an incendiary grenade through Farron's window because he was evil, like on behalf of like the French crown and also the Pope. Uh huh. Um, well, seems reasonable to me. Yes. Um, and I mean, if Farriner and all of his family signed a writ saying that they think he did it, which is, you know, sort of knowingly condemning an innocent man to death, but who cares? Uh, nobody actually believes that he did it, but at the same time, everybody believes that it, the Catholics did it, right? It's like, Ooh. um, Listen, we, it's, we, it's sort of like believing that, like, Al-Qaeda did 9-11, but not those specific 19 guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, every once in a while, you all got to get together and you know just hang a Frenchman for the hell of it, you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is exactly what they did. And this this here is um, uh, the gallows at Tyburn, the Tyburn tree, a triangular shaped. Um, and he he is uh, sentenced to hang. He is hanged. And as his body is being taken down to be given to the anatomists to be dissected, the crowd uh, tears it apart limb from limb. Jesus Christ. 17th century London was a delightful place. The past was not weird or gross at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it was all totally, totally normal. Um, Yeah, they just. just, time, a more elegant time. Yeah, just just (laughs) physically tearing apart a guy who didn't really. He was just like in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, Good lord. But of course, there is there are there are beneficiaries to this. Most notably, the Puritans oh, who yeah. love this shit, um, because as much as the as much as sort of royalists had, had suspected London's being the sort of like um, uh, hotbed of parliamentarianism, uh, Puritans always hated London for the same reason that like <laughs> all. Uh, religious zealots hate any big city, right? It's, it's like it's this den of vice and iniquity, and, right. which it certainly is. But like um, n- now, of course, it has been been punished for its sin, as is as is right and proper. Um, and there's there's an, a very sort of tangible physical uh, relationship between those things in the mind of the Puritan preacher of the 17th century. Uh, if you've if you've read the sermon "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," very yep. much, very <laughs> much that vibe. It's like, yes, yeah, sin is yep. like bodily rewarded in life with its with its just deserts, its 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 own misery. Um, the wages of sin is death, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I've got a little selection of, of pamphlets here. You can see they've used the same the same woodcut image of St. Paul's burning, which is obviously a tremendously impactful. Thing religiously, um, and uh, damnable plot. Roz, yeah. you're up. <laughs> listen, listen. I I trust the Pope knew what he was doing, setting this fire. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Spe- I, I, speaking ex cathedra to say it's good Rome burned actually. Excuse me, London burned actually. <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is a fire which has spiritual causes. Uh, God has allowed this to happen through the agency of this one French dude and the Pope because of London's sins of of gluttony and lust um, and of toleration of Catholicism. Uh, and so, what we have to do is we have to get a lot more Protestant and a lot more hysterical about Catholic infiltrators. Uh, and and this this sort of like this proceeds for decades, if not centuries, but it sort of culminates at this time in uh, the, the Popish damnable plot, the Popish plot uh, of uh, 1678 to roughly 1681, where a guy called Titus Oates basically makes up a plot for attention, and everybody <laughs> wants to believe it so badly that they execute a bunch of people. So that's what's happening in, in the top left there, is um, uh, Viscount Stafford being executed for being like a, a crypto-Catholic, just because just like a guy thought it would be fun to like invent a plot. It, um, it it reminds me of like the satanic panic and stuff like that, you know. Pe- oh, very people, much. Yeah, yeah. people oh. just get all worked up over something that's not real. They make up a guy and then get mad at that guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, at least like at, at least there were some lynchings. Yeah. At, at, at least there were Catholic powers in Europe, right? So it's it, it's a lot like the Red Scare to me. It's like. Uh, Okay, sure. These these like um, you know these great powers exist, and they don't really have any any interest in you know uh, a sort of a Protestant counterweight in England. But they're also not responsible for every misfortune, as uh, one's own sin isn't. Um, but in in any case, like anti-Catholic hysteria is like sort of a a, a standby within the Protestant English psyche, like as late as um, uh, 1780, you have waves of riots. You, I, I mean, you could reasonably call it a pogrom, right? Uh, of like waves of lynchings uh, of Catholics because uh, weird, um, and like genuinely, the um, Catholic emancipation having like legal equality and the right to like citizen MP, things like that. Uh, that that only applied in England and Wales from like 1830, I think. So this this stuff has like a long legacy. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know, every once in a while you gotta. If if they weren't mad at the Catholics, they'd find someone else to get mad at. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, the good news is that a bunch of the craziest of these guys um, uh, founded uh, the United States of America. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hooray! <laughs> but in the meantime, of course, there is this huge plot of vacant land in the middle of London that they got to figure out what to do with. Hmm. Right? Stealing glass and stealing <clears throat> glass and build the shard. Well, the Enlightenment hasn't been invented yet, so nobody's going to be like, "Oh, you got to put a bunch of weird Masonic symbolism in here." Exactly. Right. Um. You know, so you get this big blank slate, right? Which is the dream of every architect of the period, including luminaries like Sir Christopher Wren, right? You know, this is a chance to remake London into sort of a world-class city, one that rivaled any, you know, Baroque-planned city like Rome or Rome or or Rome, (laughs) because uh, Paris Paris hadn't been housemanized yet, and Washington, D.C. hadn't been invented. Um, mm. so 
you know, this would have been like one of the first uh, great Baroque planned cities, right? Um, oh. So, so uh, uh, several architects submit several plans for rebuilding London. This is Christopher Wren's right here. You can see the nice wide boulevards, all these nice public squares, stuff like that. I really uh, like the, his idea for the fleet to like make more of it rather than less. Could have had like yes. an, an L-shaped London. You could have had interesting. You could have had your own little. It'd be like the Schuylkill, um, mm. you know, just just a nice little river as opposed to a gigantic, annoying one. Um, so Christopher Wren submits a plan. That's this one. Um, John Evelyn also submits a plan, which is uh, a, a sort of different geometric shapes um it's like a bunch of squares with some of the squares are circles and some of the squares are triangles um <laughs> it's kind of weird he's going to charles the second and asking him to rotate two cubes in his you, mind yeah exactly you gotta you gotta you, you, you bear with me as i rotate a cube in my mind <laughs> um there there was a third guy who submitted a plan i don't remember who it is and i don't care about him uh, and then there mm. was Valentine Knight, right, uh, who proposed cool a genuinely awful street grid, ugly as hell. <laughs> uh, the the plan itself is awful to look at. I, I that's why I didn't put it on here. One of the features <laughs> on it though was um, it's it's just it it is it is visually repulsive. Um, <laughs> um but part of his plan. That he presented to King Charles II was a in front of God told, and everyone. Yeah, in front of God and everyone was a tolled canal, right? And the toll what? revenue would go <laughs> to the king, right? And so, just bribery, like, yeah. you're, like Your Majesty, look, I will have you raking in them poundy poundy bills. I mean. I, I bet a French king would have gone for this. The French is king the thing. Oh yeah, I, no, a French king, king. Louis, whoever would have. A, a, a French king, a French king, would have gone with something like that. But the plan would have been better. Mm. Um, you know, you'd have some Ver Versailles bullshit. Um, well, so his plan was so bad, and the Told Canal was so offensive to Charles II, who's you know trying to improve relations with London, um, as opposed to tolling them. That uh, Charles II had Valentine Knight thrown in prison. The correct response Good. to any architect yes. at any time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> go to jail. Go to jail. <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> Rum Cool House, live from the big house. <laughs> uh, I think he only, only was in jail for a short period of time, but I, I think that's very funny. Oh, that funny. was a mistake. But back back when that was like your, your sort of minor measure of like official disapproval was to like, yeah, just throw him in prison for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> this, this plan sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a 10 minute timeout, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throw, throw him in the dungeon, uh, take him out like uh, tomorrow, just, just, just let him stew for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> This guy's annoying me. Just do something with it. Yeah. So the, these plans, with the exception of Knight's plan, you know, these plans were hotly debated, um, you know, as to which was going to be the rebuilding plan. And in the meantime, property owners just started rebuilding on the plots they owned. Mm. Um, and as a result, no, none of these plans were carried out and uh, London retained its uh, 
medieval terrible, hodgepodge streets. Terrible character. <laughs> Inertia wins again, as yes. it always does with London. Um, hey, but we did rebuild St. Paul's though, so... Yes. Yeah, Christopher Wren did get a major hand in sort of the rebuilding in the form of yeah. St. Paul's, in the form of um, a whole shitload of churches in, in the form. He, he, he made a bunch of money off of this. Um, mm. A lot of commissions. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. We also did a bit more rebuilding, uh, because in commemoration, the city put up a big obelisk, which everyone knows about, and a little statuesque of a naked child, which uh, not everyone knows about. Right here at Cock Lane, interesting. Right here at Cock Lane, yes. Um, so the big obelisk is just, its technically it's like the monument to the Great Fire of London, but everyone just calls it the monument. It's why there's a tube station called Monument. Um, wow. And it's, it's, it's a big obelisk, there's stairs, there's a viewing platform, you can go and uh, look out and like... Um, it's got inscriptions on the side showing the fire starting, progressing. It's it's by sort of putting light in roughly, um, and the, the the inscriptions actually blame the fire on Catholics. Nice. Um, <laughs> the, the burning. <laughs> the, there. the burning of this Protestant city, begun and carried on by the treachery and malice of the popish faction, but popish frenzy, which wrought such horrors, is not yet quenched. Um, ah. They only removed these with Catholic emancipation in 1830, uh, which goes to show that censoring statuary to, to spare people's feelings is good, and we should yes. do it. Um, uh, they also added those suicide nets on the top in the 1850s, because people kept jumping off of it. Um, <laughs> kind of spoils the view, but... It's an early iteration of the vessel. <laughs> More or less, <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, Alexander Pope hated it. He's like, he sort of was like a sort of this bullying, looming presence. <laughs> um, yeah, um, the, the little, the little naked child um, that that commemorates the point where the fire was like finally put out, or it was stopped. Um, uh, called Pie Lane, incidentally, because we go from pudding to pie, which is weird, um, and like. This is also like a profoundly like moralizing statue, right? It's uh, the the idea is that the the fire is caused by sin, and specifically the sin of gluttony. Um, oh no! Both, That's my favorite sin. Both too many tasty cakes, but also because this area was a, a red light district, which is incidentally also mm. the, the origin of Cock Lane. Um, <laughs> and it's very, very interesting to me that uh, the prostitution here is like a sin of gluttony rather than of lust. It's like you can have too much of a good thing. Yeah. Um, and, and and so in order to like warn people against the sin of gluttony, uh, they decided to put up a little statue of a fat child. And like th that's genuinely like in the design brief. It's like yeah, it has to be prodigiously fat, um, which. <laughs> <laughs> weird. Weird, yeah. Um, very weird. It used to be above the um the door to a pub called the Fortune of War, which was the hunt the uh the like haunt of London's grave robbers. Yes. And that's that's like the the sort of like that's the civic commemoration of the Great Fire of London. We didn't actually do yeah. anything material. Like the London Fire Brigade wasn't founded until the nineteenth century. 
in terms of like actually doing stuff to make it less likely for this to happen again, we just didn't bother. <laughs> Fat kid statue. Fat kid statue. Because yeah. that way, people are going to be less likely to sin. And if they're less likely to sin, they're less likely to uh, set everybody's houses on fire. I... I, yeah, I, I use, I just, the Enlightenment was a mistake, but... Uh. <laughs> I do enjoy how everyone just, you know, did everything in their power to just forget or avoid the idea that this was just an accident. Um, yeah. Everyone runs as far away from any kind of material cause mm -hmm. as possible and instead blames it on popery. <laughs> Which is, well, uh, to be we fair, can easy... A podcast on it. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> easy and fun. But fun and easy. Blame the Pope. Well, mm. Just blame the Pope I, for I anything that happens. Door, I'll be right back. Okay. Blame the Pope for everything that happens in your life. If you had a bad day, that was the Pope. You stubbed your toe. Just cursing Rome. Yeah. <laughs> Curse the Holy See. <laughs> Devilish Popery. <laughs> we, must, we must launch a crusade against Rome. You uh, lip it around because you stubbed your toe. Yeah. <laughs> What's another nice mild inconvenience? Oh, uh, stepping on a Lego. Stepping on a Lego—that was definitely the Pope. That was that, that was, was definitely Pope. the Pope in that Rome. Was the, that was the Pope. The, yes, the Pope in Rome. Oh, put that, the Pope, Pope in stuff? Rome is the cause of all of um, life's minor inconveniences. I'm I'm always saying this. I am converting <laughs> to uh, <laughs> Anglicanism. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the religion that makes you that makes you very normal. Yes. <laughs> Give us the candelabra back. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, so we've learned nothing. 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 Absolutely nothing. Absolutely Gar nothing. Nothing. Well, we have a segment on this podcast called Safety Third. Shake hands for danger. Um. Hello, Justin, Alice, Liam, and any potential WTYP guest hosts. Hello. Hello. Hi. I am a helicopter pilot. I used Best to do... opening sentence ever. Yes. yes. Hello. You have my uh, full uh, attention. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do helicopter construction, but I have moved on to aerial firefighting overseas. Based. Uh, Liam, I don't oh. know what the Greeks have done or what they are doing to draw the wrath of the Jewish space laser, but damn, son. <laughs> they know what they did. Yeah. Thank you. I'll take you for... back to the time, the time of the Maccabees. There we were. <laughs> Thank you for your service, uh, safety third writer. Yes. In September 2017, Hurricane Maria laid waste to Puerto Rico, and my company was hired to help rebuild the Puerto Rico power grid. I assume this was uh -oh. due to popery. Um. <laughs> Well, the thing about Puerto Rico is they have quite a lot of popery in it already, so it's exactly. the reason that there'll be more yeah. natural disasters. It's a good point, yeah. Um, you could do a whole episode on the bullshit that went on rebuilding Puerto Rico, but of all the stupid, unsafe, and criminal things I witnessed in Puerto Rico, this is the one that stands out most in my mind. Um, after arriving in Puerto Rico a few days after the storm, most of Puerto Rico's power distribution system looked like picture number one right here. See this Not good. power pole has fallen over. Um, for those of you who are not watching on YouTube, the power grid was royally fucked. Um, my job was to use the big ass helicopter in picture number two, right here. 
nice. to pick stuff up and put stuff thing? down. Cool. <laughs> yes. I think so. Yeah. One of the things we normally picked up and put down were guide V transmission towers. Picture number three here. After setting the base and guy anchors, we fly the tower up the mountainside to the power line right of way. We would hold the tower upright on the base while the ground crew attached and tensioned the guy wires. This was all well and good for the first few days until we started running out of towers to set. Mm -hmm. Hurricane Maria had turned a large number of towers into twisted scrap metal. After running through the small number of spares that were on the island and stealing towers from a 10-year-old never-completed line, materials were running short. So reusing anything possible became the order of the day. One such tower that was to be reused was a structure that had survived the hurricane, but had two of the three phases, which are the big lines that carry the power, uh, ripped off. The remaining phase was still connected by the insulator, but the cable disappeared into the jungle up and downhill of the tower. The tension of the still-connected phase had pulled the tower about 10 to 15 feet to one side and twisted it quite noticeably. See figure number four. You can see, you can see it's leaning. Don't like that. Yeah. Mm. No. We got a phone call. Oh, boy. They, <laughs> we got a phone call that they wanted us to use our big-ass helicopter with a long line and grapple to pull on the remaining phase to remove the tension on the tower so an iron worker could cut the wire free. So, the other pilot I was flying with and I headed up the hill and hooked onto the wire. I always hate these, like, mission packs for flight sim games. They're so unrealistic. (laughs) (laughs) The helicopter I flew on at the time had had a load cell attached to the cargo hook so we know exactly how much things weigh. We yanked on the wire with over 9,000 pounds of force, and it didn't move at all. To put this in perspective, the tower itself only weighs 7,800 to uh, 8,500 pounds, right? After seeing enough enough Roadrunner cartoons, I knew that being in the giant slingshot never worked out well. So we called the guys on the ground and said the plan wasn't going to work and we don't want to be connected to this thing when it cuts loose. They then asked us to just wait overhead and pull the power line back into the right of way after they cut it free from the tower. Uh. (laughs) After a quick quick cockpit discussion about how stupid this plan was, we responded, okay, just to watch the show. (laughs) (laughs) we moved off to a safe distance and watched the iron worker hang off the arm of the tower and start cutting with a huge gas powered saw see picture five i forgot to put picture five on here shit um the cable imagine picture five imagine picture five the cable let loose with a (laughs) (laughs) the cable let loose with a crack that we could hear in the helicopter over the noise of two turbine engines with headsets on the cable racketed off and scythed through the jungle, cutting down trees like it was cutting grass. At this mm. point, the poor iron worker got a demonstration of the transition of potential energy into kinetic energy. Um, the tower Whoa. began to whip violently back and forth. On about the fourth oscillation, the poor iron worker slash bull rider, who was holding on with one hand and holding onto the saw with the other, that was now running at full throttle, judging from the white smoke pouring from the exhaust, 
decided to let go of the saw. Um, everyone on the ground was running in every direction to get away from the 8,000 pound, very angry tower and uh, flying chop saw. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, the tower found its happy place and we sat speechless watching the iron worker who, who to his credit was actually tied off, uh, roll over onto his back, close his eyes and, and cross his arm over his chest. <laughs> he, he lay up there a little while before climbing down. Well, after almost killing a guy to save a tower, it was found the structure was too damaged from the storm and uh, uh, Mr. Toad's wild ride to be reused. Mr. <laughs> Toad's. <laughs> they just cut the guy wires and let it fall like a tree. And we never could find the wire that, I, that rocketed through the jungle and I assume is still there to this day. Incredible. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, name redacted. <laughs> I, I got nothing for this one, yeah. man. I, just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm glad that uh, one of the protagonists of the game, Take On Helicopters, is written in. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is pretty pretty uh, Looney Tunes. Um, th that is yeah. some... <laughs> Stay away from helicopters. We cannot emphasize this enough. They are a dangerous machine. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, that the combination of helicopters and um, high-tension wires is a great one. Um, mm. You know, the, the, the wacky stuff they do with helicopters around power lines is always astonishing. You know, like the, the, the thing oh, where yeah, they... guys sitting on the, like, sideboard thing and... You yeah, have to, no. You have to equalize the voltage <laughs> between the helicopter and the wires. And then, and then you got, like, the, no. the giant saw that hangs below the helicopter, the trim trees. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's uh, power transmission. It's wild. Mm. It's mixing oh. two incredibly dangerous technologies. Yes. So, always, always a big fan of this. Thanks for nothing. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have we learned? What have we learned? Everything that uh, goes wrong is the fault of is the, the Pope. Is yeah. the Pope. Yes. Um, also, do a fire break sooner than you think. Yes, yeah. exactly. Start, start making one now. Air tear on down this. your own house. Yes, tear down your own house right now. Make sure it doesn't catch fire. Become ungovernable. Yes. Become ungovernable. <laughs> uh, our next episode D will be... take a, any of your shit anywhere. Our next episode will be about another disaster caused by Popery, which is the Tacoma Narrows Bridge disaster. Anyone got commercials before we go? Um, yeah, there's going to be a Trash Future live show in London um, the first, so like a week from now. Uh, I don't know if we're going to live stream it or anything, but I'm going to do my best to be there. So um, I don't know if there's I don't know if there's still tickets, but if there's not, just show up outside the venue, which is the Vauxhall Comedy Club, just on the first of September at nine p.m. Just just be there and like try and like get in. Yeah, be fine. Maybe you could uh maybe you could cause a fire break, um, thereby giving you access. Yeah, tear down the buildings either side of the Vauxhall Comedy Club. Yes, exactly. We also have a live show. Yes, we do on uh, the third of September. On the third of September. Yes. Yeah. Um, live tickets are sold out. However, live stream tickets uh, are still available. Um, if you're a patron of our show, uh, you get a discount code, which I have posted on the Patreon. If you're not, 
uh, go sign up for it. Give us more money than you should. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, sub- subscribe to we, the YouTube because I want a little plaque from YouTube. Yeah. Is the thing. Yeah, we're almost halfway be, there. Be sure, uh, be sure to smash that sh- subscribe button and, <laughs> and push the bell the shirts icon. Shirts are yeah. being restocked by Union Pete. Uh, we will have. Uh, I, I'm just going to announce it now. Uh, a extremely limited run of commemorative shirts and hoodies. Uh, at the live show. Uh, yes. So I'm excited for that. Uh, listen to Kill James Bond. Listen to Trash yes. Future. Yes. Listen to Lions Led by Donkeys. Buy Joe Kasabian's new book. Uh, Watch subscribe. Justin's channel Do Not Eat. Yes. Uh, uh, the Pope is <laughs> responsible follow, for Franklin. Follow, yeah. follow Justin's like Steam Workshop updates. Yeah, exactly. Um, stalk us in follow real Roz life. Follow on Twitter. Um... Come to our house, where you will be met with castle doctrine. Yes. <laughs> uh, anything else? My uh, battery's dying. No, I think this I is think it. We're good. Uh, well, thank you, thank you for listening, everyone. Yes, thank you, uh, thank thanks, you for, guys. Uh, just uh, don't fall into the trap that is popery. Yeah. Uh, until next time, kill yes. the pope. I mean, <laughs> have a nice time. <laughs> Have a nice time is what I meant. Oh, right. that one hits different when you live in Glasgow. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, guys.